0: Do you know what today is? What? Think about it.
1: Today is Friday, April 1st. Fir-
0: oh, it's it's April Fool's. But it's also national. Have fun at work day. You know what that means? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, we, oh. <laughs> you know what else April 1st is? What? National fuck off day. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bleeped in the edit. <laughs> Hi, Joey. Hi, Ellen Mars. <laughs> Welcome to Disappear, the podcast where Joey Toronto and I. Talk about our favorite ID show, Disappeared.
1: We do take some detours. A couple of detours on the road. But, I mean, why Why else would they be here? You know, I actually found out that a couple people don't like our detours. And you know what I have to say about that? What? Happy National Fuck Off Day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: And if you want more of Joey and I, please join us on the Patreon. That is where we do all of our bonus episodes. We have our ad-free episodes. We have our special tiers where you can get first crack at the merch first crack at our live show you can get on our close friends circle all you have to do is go
1: to our website and click the Patreon link I have to tell you I'm really getting into our close friends on Instagram stories I I was like I forgot that this gem is here I need to use this more it's a
0: little secret it's it's
1: We're, we're ourselves We definitely are But
0: you can catch All of our bonus contact That includes Snap See no evil Evil lives here We are just finishing up Fear thy neighbor And we are gonna start on I'm so excited I for know, this I know I know Pink collar crimes <laughs> These are some ladies Who've done some shady stuff It's a bit hilarious. You gotta see these reenactments. Honey, I love a shady
1: lady. That's why I'm <laughs> best friends with you.
0: <laughs> Anything else you want to say that's going out today on Silly Hall Day? <laughs> I always have fun at work with you, so every day is national have fun at work day. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Season 7, Episode 7, California leave tells the story of Rico Harris.
3: A former pro basketball player leaves Los Angeles for a new life in Seattle.
4: He's starting a new relationship with someone. He's starting a completely new career in an
3: unknown land. An 1,100-mile road trip up the Pacific Coast.
2: He had a lot on his mind driving to Seattle from LA. But after hours of texts and phone calls, radio silence. Jennifer and I were calling each other. And how come you can't get a hold of him? I knew something was wrong because he never not calls me.
3: A discovery in a harsh, isolated landscape yields clues and questions. It didn't look like a place that was easy to have an accident or disappear in. An unresolved mystery that torments friends, family, and police.
2: It was like a nightmare. I would never even in a million years imagined that he would just disappear.
1: Can I just say, it showed an incredible amount of self-restraint on your part to not go, California leaving. I was, it was coming. You, you didn't give me a moment. Oh, can we and go back? Was, can, can we erase this? <laughs> can we go back? Can we go back? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no, no. Incredible amount of self-restraint on your part to not go, All the leaves are brown,
0: the leaves are brown, brown. and the sky is gray. <laughs> we're Cal- on Broadway leaving. We are in 2014. It is October 9th, and we're in Alhambra. I always thought it was Alhambra. I stand corrected California, which is just like outside of LA. Yeah.
3: Thursday, October 9th, 2014. It's evening in Alhambra, a small Southern California city within Los Angeles County. 37-year-old Rico Harris is about to leave his mother's house for a new life in Seattle, Washington with his fiance, Jennifer Song.
1: He was really excited. Start something new with Jennifer, become a family. All those things were going to be new to him. Now, on this morning, Rico is making his final move to Seattle, Washington, to start a new life for himself with his girlfriend, Jennifer Song. Well, his fiance.
0: Are they engaged? They are
1: fianced. Oh. It seemed like they they said that, I didn't think they? that they said they were headed toward that, but they hadn't yet gotten engaged. Why the club
3: With his fiance, Jennifer Song. <laughs>
1: Okay. I don't, I don't know. But let
0: me tell you, I love Seattle. I love so Seattle I. because it's like, is it East Coast? Is it West Coast? Is it outdoorsy? Is it cool? They don't give a fuck. <laughs> Seattle's just themselves. It's like the most indecisive, amazing city. I would live in Seattle, except for the rain. I mean, absolutely. The rain but can also, fuck
1: up. It has the one of the best seasons of the real world ever. Uh,
0: the slap heard round the, the world. The slap had to do with Chris Rock and
1: Will Smith. It had everything to do with that, with David and what was her name? Um, Iris? uh, No, Irene. Irene. I met her in a Sephora once. (laughs) I really did and I went up to her and was like, are you Irene? And she literally goes, "Uh uh-oh.
0: Of course. I'm sure that's her whole life. But also we had our amazing live show in Seattle where we were in a dry venue during the day in a barn in Seattle. Hey, Seattle. Hi, Seattle.
2: Can we do Seattle on our tour? We'll do Seattle, baby. We'll do you all. Oh, yeah. Rico's hopes and dreams was to eventually get engaged and get married and have children. He really wanted um, kids with me. He would talk about what our baby would look like.
0: bunch of adorable pictures of this sweet, handsome couple, and Jennifer is here, and she was saying how they were planning their future together, they were planning on getting married and having kids and living their life together. Yeah,
1: and Rico's mom, Mama Margaret Fernandez, tells us that he was super excited to start a new family and have a fresh start with Jennifer. Yeah,
0: they'd been together for two and a half years, but they were long distance this whole time, right? Rico was living in the LA area, and Jennifer was in Seattle, but they were both committed to making long distance relationships work I love long-distance relationships. I know. You, you
1: really—you should get long-distance relationships are, for me, tattooed on your body somewhere. I mean,
0: I, I, mean, I love them because get out of my house. <laughs> but, you know, but whoever coined the phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder,
1: though, is a little bit of an idiot because absence makes a bitch go crazy. Okay, well, this is good for me to hear because I'm about to spend three <gasps> months away from my brand-new boyfriend. No, so, not I helpful. <laughs>
0: just, I love long distance because it's like, you know, I love you, but get away. You annoy the shit out of me. It's great. When time's your flight home?
1: (laughs) Well, listen, if I had your exes, I would feel the same way. Now, listen, Jennifer says Rico's dream was to get engaged, get married and start a family. And for the record, Yellen Marsh, that is not my dream. Rico's dream is what I would consider more of an inconvenience for me, but nobody asked. And then again, this is half my podcast, so I can say whatever the shit I want. (laughs) Anyway, back to Discovery. Breathe, I mean, baby. Anyway, back to Disappeared here on Discovery+. Plus. <laughs> so Rico
0: was going to leave the L.A. area, and he wanted to be in Seattle by 7 p.m. the next night. Now, I did a quick Goog, and that's about 1,100 miles, which from Google told me takes about 18 and a half hours. Yeah, that is That's long. 18 and a half hours, and that's
1: with no stops. Yeah, that is a drive I don't want to make. In one day. Yeah. I mean, I don't like being in a car. I've said it before. I don't like being in a car longer than four or five hours because I'll go crazy. But we're going to find out a little more about this road trip later on.
3: Rico's goal is to arrive back in Seattle by 7 p.m. the next evening, Friday, October 10th, in time for a meeting about a new real estate job.
2: One of our friends that does appraisals, he knew Rico, how dedicated he was and how hardworking he is. So they had a meeting set up to discuss what his job would be, the hours, the pay.
1: Now, a little background on Nico. Not Nico. Who's Nico? Uh, I don't know who she is. His name is Rico. <laughs> Suave. He didn't get that his whole life, I'm sure. <laughs> but he'd been doing private security work in L.A. And here's the thing. That man was built for it. Yeah. He was... 6'9". Six, 6'9 nine. Six, nine and 320
0: pounds. But everyone says this, and I'll talk more about this later, that he's like a gentle giant. He had very sweet eyes. He did have Doesn't very sweet eyes. Doesn't he just very, he looked like one of those sweet,
1: cuddly bears. A big six foot, no, that's not a man. That is yeah. a mountain. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I may not like uh, camping, but I do enjoy mountain climbing, if you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> Which is funny because your boyfriend is two feet big. <laughs> Climb
0: <Chloe, laughs> Oh, dude. What is it you can face? <laughs>
1: Two references in a I know, month, my I God! Know. It just—it always circles back to the Sound of Music somehow. Now, Mama Margaret tells us that listen, Rico was on his way to being his own celebrity because dude could play basketball.
0: Yeah! And his best friend David from childhood is here and tells us how he made friends easy and how much he loved basketball. And in 1997, his college team earned its first state championship, more on that later. Yes. And he actually did kind of play pro basketball, but he sustained an injury in 2000, more on that later. Yes. So after all of this time had passed, he had sort of put basketball behind him and reprioritized his life life, and he was ready to move on with his life with beautiful
1: Jennifer. Listen, if I was born six foot nine, yeah. how could I not play basketball? The NBA, like a, a standard goal is, is that what they're called? The um, hoopy goal? It's a basket? Yeah, that. Yeah. um, They're <laughs> 10 feet tall, so that's just three feet away. Yeah, he's that's, just lobbing it in. I mean, that's pretty... It seems right. Yeah, that was a little
0: dirty. But so, as we know, he was about to drive over a thousand miles, and everyone here wants to tell us how much he loved to drive. And I love to be driven because long, <laughs> long drives mean one thing, and that's a speeding ticket. Where did I get my last speeding ticket? Say it with me, Virginia. Really? Uh huh. When I drove down to North Carolina to visit my friends, and I got a fucking speeding ticket. Do you know how fast I was going? How fast? Ninety. Do you know what that is? What? Reckless driving. Why that, were you going 90 in a what? I don't know. The open road?
1: In a 25. <laughs> it was
0: the open road. Listen, I had to drive home. <laughs> Listen, when you're driving that fast on the open road, 90 really doesn't feel like 90. If that
1: is true. That's why I'm grateful for cruise control. Yeah. Because <laughs> it takes control. <laughs> well, the, when I got pulled over the police, I go, I felt like I was going the same distance
0: as everyone else. And he goes, yeah, but I saw you first. <gasps> Do you think Uh, I cried? Yes. I cried. Anyway, so Rico is on the road, no speeding tickets in sight, but he's on Interstate 5, and at 1 o'clock in the morning, he calls Mama Margaret. Now, Mama Margaret actually didn't so much as know that he left. She was like,
1: wait honey I thought you were leaving tomorrow and she was like oh okay bye yeah he was like look I have to get back a lot is going on so shortly after that Jennifer his girlfriend calls him and is like uh you're headed here I thought you were still in LA so obviously Rico is in a hurry to get back to Seattle but he didn't tell anybody yeah so there's 17 hours left of this drive and Jennifer and Rico decided to have a chat for a few hours
0: three or four hours you remember did you ever do that like when you were younger just like talking on the phone for hours. absolutely so much patience. Now I'm like, you got eight and a half minutes to get to the point, and then I'm hanging up.
1: (laughs) Mama popped an edible 20 minutes ago. Get to the story. Truly, and I've been the recipient of that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm not lying. But yeah, I don't want to sit and gab on the phone. Honestly, since we have FaceTime, I can FaceTime for a long time because I can prop you up and chat with my headphones in and get shit done, although you get so mad at me because you're like, what are you? Are you building a car in your apartment? Yeah, He
0: will sit and make like a 17-part smoothie. I was like, are you growing
1: the
0: guava? <laughs> uh, it is not a joke, and he, n- he normally does it in his
1: underwear. So for the two of you that
0: care about that, I'll send you pictures. Yeah, it's a
1: two-for-one special. <laughs> fuck you on April 1st. Fuck off day. I could... Never mind. I'm never FaceTiming <laughs> you again. I'll build a car in my living room on my own. Anyway, <laughs> so listen.
2: <laughs> Around 3.30 a.m., he said he wants to take a nap somewhere in the mountains and just kind of just Hide out for a second, look at the stars. I know what the mountains look like coming to Seattle. Really windy and dark. And I said, please don't sleep in the the mountains. There's no cell phone service. He said, okay, well, maybe I'll go to a rest area then.
1: Around 3.30, Rico was like, all right, I'm going to take a nap. In the mountains. And Jennifer's like, oh, good, take a nap. Oh, wait, can you not do it in the mountains though? I mean, like, I mean, she was like, no, baby, like, take a nap. I'm concerned, but like, can you, d- d- don't go in the mountains. No, now listen, if I was six foot nine and 320 pounds, I wouldn't be scared of shit. Yeah. And I would literally nap. Anywhere the fuck I wanted to. I would walk into some stranger's house and be like, hi, move over, I'm napping. (laughs) Because what are they going to do? The man's a giant. It's true. So
0: Rico's like, all right, fine. I'll find a rest stop. So Jennifer goes to sleep for a couple of hours and she wakes up at 8 o'clock. And of course, the first thing she does is, you know, call Rico. He answers and tells her that he's near Sacramento. And, you know, he explains, you know, I got gas. They talk for 15
1: minutes. And that was pretty much it. And she was like, he sounded super tired. That is a long time. Dry. Yeah. He also spoke with Mama Margaret, and he told her that he was going to get something to eat and rest. And she was like, yeah, you do that. That's what you should do. I feel like he was like, Mama,
0: I'm <laughs> just going to go get some food on her and take a nap, okay? Yeah, I mean. I still am <laughs> like that with my mom. I just turn into a little kid sometimes.
1: I think my mom learned a long time ago to just don't poke that bear. It's not <laughs> worth it.
0: Wait. Oh, that that video that you posted with your mom when you Facetimed with Harry Connick Jr. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was so sweet. I always forget you guys have that same New Orleans accent. It's so funny. I know.
1: Listen, let me tell you. I love Harry Connick Jr. I my, know. my whole family loves Harry Connick Jr. And what I love so much is like that accent. He's from a different part of New Orleans, right. so he has his own accent. Yeah. Where I'm from, New Orleans has a myriad of accents, but there's a through line through all of them. Sure. I'm from the West Bank of New Orleans, where it's very like, baby, how's your mom and I'm doing? You know, yeah. It's very that. Yeah. And when I moved to New York, I had to learn to get rid of it because right. you can't be an actor on Broadway. And there's not really any roles where you get to do that. Yeah. So the minute we got around each yeah. other, we're like, baby, <laughs> how you doing? I came back to you. Anyway. Was, anyway, but what were we talking about? I don't even know.
0: <laughs> so then, all to say, he scooches Mama Margaret off the phone, and then Mama Margaret was like, hold on, calls back, and then she can't get through. And... Neither can Jennifer. Yeah,
1: Jennifer was like, I didn't want to text him because he was driving. And Jennifer, I applaud you on that. I know. No texting and driving. Voice There's... text. Exactly. There is a bumper sticker out there that says, Honk, if you love Jesus, text if you want to meet him. Yes. And I support that. <laughs> no, so... it's
0: true. But instead of saying, like, you know, I'll be there as soon as possible, you say, like, you know, my Aunt Susie licked a pothole. And you're like, oh, shoot. I <laughs> you know when you voice text, you know, and
1: it doesn't come through when you voice text and you reread it. You're like, that's not what I meant. I I know. I have a really good one, but I was told by the Facebook group, by a few people, that they didn't like the C word, so I'm not going to say it. Okay. Okay.
3: Jennifer resists texting Rico for the next hour or so, but grows increasingly uneasy. But then she hears from him.
2: He texted me back exactly at 1044 a.m. Sorry I missed your call. I'm doing well thinking about you. So I just said, you know, I'm just going to leave him alone. I'll see him in a little bit. There's no need to worry
3: But she does worry.
2: So that
1: was enough to quell Jennifer's concern for the time. And she says to herself, okay, I'm going to leave the man alone and let him drive. How does
0: that work? That's just a foreign feeling when I'm like, something's bothering me, but I'm going to I'm gonna give them space. Yeah, that
1: goes- I'd ab- like to do that one day. Oh, good luck, because that goes against every Italian bone in I our know. body. So Jennifer's intuition kicks in later on, and Jennifer's like, oh, Jennifer, I have been there. Yeah. I know that feeling. Even if it's me being Italian and paranoid, if I get a gut feeling about something, yeah. I'm going to follow it, and that's something we all should do yep. more. So Jennifer calls back thinking something is wrong. Well, the phone just keeps ringing and ringing, and she figures, well, he's driving through those mountains where there is no cell, yeah. cell phone service.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and that is true. Those California mountains are persnickety oh. at best. But then it gets to be about 7.30, 8 o'clock that night. Now she's like, okay, actually, I am worried. And it kind of turns into a panic. And she calls Mama Margaret. Yeah. And then Mama Margaret, who's been watching way too much Disappeared, <laughs> says, you can't find a missing persons report until two days. I thought it was 24 hours. Well, is it- here's the thing. Mama Margaret, if you listen to Obsessed with Disappeared, you will know that that number changes from city to city because these people are just making up the rules as they go along. You know, if you're in Breckenridge, it's going to be 20 minutes. And then sometimes <laughs> if you're in South Carolina, it's two days. So you really never know. We learn that time and time again. The numbers are like, don't they don't add up. They're all made up. Yeah. Can we get a uniform number yeah. across America? 20 minutes is good for me. Oh, well. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Well, You're like, Ellen, I was in the
1: shower. I'm like, well, you appear to be
0: missing (laughs) to me. I worry.
1: When Rico felt like just being to himself, he would just kind of go off to the side and do whatever he had to do. So it wasn't something that really, like, petrified me.
3: Jennifer repeatedly checks her phone for any missed messages from Rico, hoping to find one that's come in since his most recent text earlier that day. At 10.44 a.m. But there are none.
1: Now listen, Mama Margaret is here to say that when Rico felt like just being alone and to himself, he did that. Yeah. That's something I can relate to. You know, being a cat dad, it can be hard. (laughs) Sometimes my cats just ask for too much and I need some space from them little monsters. I love them, but sometimes it's all too much. I mean, I guess you can relate. Okay. Having Lola.
0: I'm I'm not picking up what you're putting down. And Jennifer was like, okay, Mama Margaret, you can be chill about it. I'm not. She's like, remember, I haven't heard from him since 1044 in the morning. Now, you know that horrible feeling when you're expecting, you know, a call or text and you just pick up your phone, you pick up your phone, you pick up your, that anticipation is so debilitating. And that's what Jennifer was feeling. She was just panicking, checking her phone, poor thing. Baby, that's what it means to be an actor in New York
1: City. I know. Broadway called. Broadway. Broadway Is that you?
0: So now it's Tuesday, and Mama
1: Margaret gets a knock on the door. Yeah. So it turns out it was the Alhambra. Uh, how do you say it? Alhambra Police Department. Yeah, and it turns out to be the Al- Alhambra. Wow. You're, that that word is
0: Alhambra. Alhambra. No, don't. You don't have to accentuate anything. You don't. You're putting the emphasis on the wrong
1: syllable. Okay. Anyway, that city's police department shows up <laughs> to her door, and they're like, "We found Rico's vehicle yeah. abandoned." Yeah. Ooh, that is a terrible
0: thing. I know. So now we go back to Monday, October 13th, and we get a little more information.
1: Yeah. So here we are in YOLO County. I'm sure there's a YOLO joke in there somewhere, but honestly I couldn't find I'm it. I'm
0: sure when the YOLO like sensation sweep the world, they were like, oh for fuck's sake.
1: Yeah, they're like, like yeah, real funny. Yeah, yellow, yeah, we another get one. It. Okay. okay. So but Yolo County is seven hundred miles south of Seattle, and a sheriff deputy was making a routine inspection of a parking lot in an isolated area when he came across Rico's vehicle. And it
0: was- like a rest stop of sorts but it was like maybe like abandoned or closed down. It was like a parking lot and a rest area but it wasn't like, you know, on a map it wasn't populated at all.
1: Right. And it was in the lower site of the Rumsey Cannon area. Now, at first the deputy didn't think too much of it but then he saw the same vehicle the next day.
0: And it was sort of like off to the side and it wasn't like in a parking spot and I was like, I mean, I can understand that because like, you know, you're not like, you know, trying to follow any park guidelines when no one was around, but all to say this, you know, raised red flags. So at this point, Mama Margaret calls Jennifer and explained how the car was found near the mountain and this isolated area, and then explained it had been there for two days. And Mama Margaret was like, okay, let's file that report
1: now. So now we meet Detective Dean Nyland, no relation to Rose Nyland of St. Olaf. Very disappointed by that. Did you do your research? What? Whether or not, did you check their family
0: tree? What if they are related? I, I'm i sorry. Is this a ball I dropped? I
1: dropped the ball. Everyone stop. I dropped the ball.
0: Just put them in your face. It'll be fine.
1: Oh, get it? A ball joke. Yeah, I don't want it.
3: Okay. And Yolo County Sheriff's Detective, Dean Nyland, launches an investigation. His plan was to go directly
4: from Alhambra to Seattle. We want to know what time did he leave? What time was he planning on being there?
3: Did he have any side trips planned? Any stops that he had indicated? Detective Nyland orders Rico's service provider to check his phone for pings, an indication that he's connected with a cell tower.
1: I have to say, Detective Nyland was on it.
0: He really was. He calls and gets the cell phone records, and he finds out the last place that Rico's phone had been pinging, and it was pinging in an area called the Redwood Valley area, and then he says, so I got the phone numbers for all the residents in that area. I was like, is that a long list? I was also like, you better fucking work. I was like, I gave Detective Dina an immediate standing ovation. Then he goes, but I didn't get a hold of anyone.
1: (laughs) I was like, A for effort, baby. We love you. We love you. But I literally said that out loud. Like, please play the clip of RuPaul being like, you better work. (laughs) Because that is how you do it. And so he couldn't get a hold of anyone. Now, Redwood Valley is 70 miles from the lower site uh, parking lot where Rico's car was found. 70 miles, that is very far.
0: Yeah, and they do a quick inspection of the car and the car was out of gas and the battery was dead and it looked like it had been ransacked. I mean... Do you want to tell your ransacked story? Should I tell it really quickly? Just really quickly. Okay,
1: y'all bear with me, okay? This is what we do. We have side stories and I like to share them with you. Okay, go. So my mom called. I used to FaceTime my mom all the time and she'd always be like, I'm very busy, I can't talk. I'm like, you ain't busy. But she said, she said, I'm very busy. I can't talk. I said, OK, well, I was just calling to say hi. She goes, all right, well, I'll talk to you later. By the way, I'm writing a book. And I said, a, a book? OK, this is from a woman. I love my mother, but she can't even say pumpkin. She says punkin." And so I said, all right, well, what's this book about? She goes, well, it's about this woman. And her husband works in a soup kitchen and she loves America. And every morning she goes out to the front yard and she raises the American flag. And then her husband is murdered. So she takes his job at the soup kitchen. I said, okay, okay, I'm with you. And she says one day she comes home from her job at the soup kitchen and her house has been rampsacked. And I said, it's been what? It was a what? And she said, it was rampsacked. And I said, do you mean ransacked? She said, that's what I said, rampsacked. So she calls the police and the police show up and they go, ma'am. You've been ransacked. <laughs> then she goes, so the police leave. They're like, we can't help you. So she goes into her bedroom and she opens up a drawer in the dresser and an envelope falls out. She opens up the envelope and there's a letter and it says, if you're reading this, you've been rampsacked. Fast forward to the end. The lawyer did it, but she still loves America.
0: <laughs> I've heard that story a hundred times. I laugh every time. The minute they said ransacked, I wrote, tell Joey to tell <laughs> his mom's ransacked story. I mean, story. my mother, the next uh, Tom Clancy. That, I, that, I just, I can't.
4: We had CDs all over the place. Uh, We had papers on the floor. His California driver's license was in the car. And some other uh, credit cards.
3: Detective Nyland questions whether it was Rico who drove his car to the lower site parking lot. And if it was, Whether he could still be somewhere nearby, perhaps lost or hurt.
0: Not in the episode I found in some of my side research. All of his credit cards except for one was also in the car. Oh, wow. Yeah, And listen, I immediately was like, well, his car has been... Have you ever had your car broken into? No. I I have twice. And I'm like, number one, why do I have so much stuff? Because they just throw your stuff
1: everywhere whenever they break into your car. So I thought his car had been broken into. Well, I will say in a robber's defense... They probably broke into your car thinking it was a target because you do have so much shit in your car.
0: Listen, guess what? Do you need an umbrella? I have one. You, you're going ice skating? I have those in the trunk. You going boogie boarding? I have a boogie board in my trunk from two summers ago from when we went to Asbury Park, but it's still in there. You never know what you need. <laughs> Listen, you never know when the Lord will call you to boogie board. Oh, oh, God. But it is true. Anyway, oh, the Wells Fargo wagon <laughs> is a- coming down the street. So, Detective Dean tells us how this terrain is its crazy. It's mountainous. It's dangerous. It's right by a place called Caché Creek River, and there's mountain lions, and I'm just... I'll I don't back down from a fight, but I am not fucking with mountain lions. Absolutely
1: not. Basically, it's a place where you could easily be injured or lost. So a search and rescue team is ordered. Baby, I'm going to say it again. Detective Nylon is on it.
0: Yeah, he on is. On
1: it. Now, no one found anything around the car, but when they got down to the creek, they found footprints belonging to a very large person. Remember, Rico is six Nine, so those hoofs are noticeable. Yeah.
0: His shoe size
1: was size 18.
0: 18! I Googled, you have to special order that. Seriously, like, if you go to, like, you know, just a department store, they usually go up to about 14 or 15. Like, I mean, he's a big, big man. So they were undeniably... Unmistakable. Rico's Footprints. And they didn't really find much else, but they did find the insoles from the inside of his tennis shoes. And and they didn't say this. I just assumed his feet got wet and he was, like, uncomfortable, right? And maybe he was
1: letting them dry in the sun. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't think about that.
0: So, you're a wizard, Ari. (laughs) So... This led them to believe that someone else didn't drive the car there. Yes. That Rico definitely
1: drove to this remote area himself. So you remember all those calls that he made, all those messages he left for Redwood Damn v- residents? Damn bitch Dean! bitch Dean is doing it! Baby, he is not messing around. So this is when he gets his first lead after a man from the Redwood Valley returns his call and says, hey, I may have found Rico's cell phone.
3: While the search and rescue team continues to comb the lower site area, Detective Nyland gets a promising lead. A man from Redwood Valley received his message about Rico's cell phone and says he has it, but claims he doesn't know who it belongs to. He tells Detective Nyland that he, his wife, and grandson found the phone with a backpack.
1: So this man is a grandfather, and he and his wife and their 10-year-old grandson, they're driving along the road in Redwood when the grandson is like, hey, that's a backpack on the side of the road. So they pull over and decide to check it out, which... I would never. I can't.
0: I'm so happy you said that because I was like, that is a very nice gesture. And I'm so happy these people are kind, but they are obviously not from New York. Exactly. Because if I see a backpack or a suitcase or a suspicious package, it is 100% a bomb. And I am absolutely turning the other way and not getting near it. So. They basically get the backpack and they're like, Ollie Ollie Oxen Free! <laughs> you know, they're kind of like yelling. And then they take the backpack, which is always an interesting moment. I have found people's IDs, keys, phones, and I always have that moment. Is it better that I take this right now? Or should I leave it in hopes that person comes back? But then I think, what if a bad person gets it? I trust myself. You know what I mean? Like, I always have that moment. Is it, I mean, I would never take a
1: backpack, but there is that moment of, should I take this right now? Well, I was in a cab where someone left their cell phone and I got in the cab and I was like, what would I want someone to do? And that phone started ringing and I answered it and I said, hi, I just found this phone. You're like, oh my God, thank you. This is my phone. Can you meet me somewhere anytime? You name the place and I'll meet you. They put $300 on my hand. Oh, I, I would too. I didn't want to take it. And they're like, take my yeah, money. Absolutely.
0: Because it's, it, if they'd gotten in the hands of, you know, a dishonest person, they're, they're SOL and your life is in your phone. Absolutely. So I get that. I but, got highlights with that money. But bless those people <laughs> because I would
1: never do that. No New Yorker would. No.
3: go home with it. But when Detective Nyland receives the backpack and phone, more questions arise.
1: Why
5: did Rico have this backpack and all of a sudden this backpack winds up somewhere on the side of the road?
4: There's no indication of any struggle right there in the dirt. Possibly he had left it there to go down to the creek and then came back up a different area and got a ride from there. We don't know.
0: This is the time they start to run through like a million scenarios in their head. Did he put the backpack down and go to the creek? Why is his backpack on the side of the road? Why would he go somewhere without his backpack? Did Paul McCartney die in a car accident in 1966?
1: (laughs) I have a lot of questions! I know you do, baby, and I got zero answers for you. (laughs) But we should say that the backpack did get to Detective Nyland. And so they went to where they found the bag. There was no indication of a struggle. You know, they're thinking, well, perhaps he left it there when he went down to the creek. And when he came back up, he came back up on a different spot and was lost and couldn't find it, and then he hitched a ride. There's so much to speculate. I know. In the backpack
0: was a set of jumper cables, and also in his backpack was his cell phone.
1: And they look at the cell phone, and they find something a little weird. Also, again, our worst... Nightmare. Yeah. I'd be like, enjoy the penis parade. That is my camera roll, <laughs> Officer Nyland. <laughs> Wieners, butts, and drag queens, oh my. Never scroll on a gay man's phone. I learned that lesson the hard way. <laughs> but they find that surprising video on his phone, which he apparently he must have not known that he was recording. Yeah. That's the way that it seems. And it's literally Rico sitting in his car, listening to music, singing along and tossing his CDs around and ripping up pieces of papers and detective Nyland is like to be honest i don't know what frame of mind yeah. he was in yeah
0: so whatever the ransacking ramp sacking <laughs> whatever <laughs> had been done it appeared that rico did it yeah
1: it's very strange yeah. so so at this point mama margaret and jennifer they have very different reactions to the news of evidence found near the lower site mama margaret is like well between his footprints and the insoles He must be somewhere around there. He's got to be. But Jennifer says, the minute I heard that, my heart sank because Rico carried that backpack around like a purse. So I was 100% sure in that moment something is very wrong.
0: So Detective Dean gets search and rescue. They kind of go around the clock. They look all over the mountains. Now, remember the Randy Morganson case? Yes. It was like that. It was like a vicious terrain. There's water, there's creeks, there's sand. So this search and rescue is really, really going all out. And of course, they search the parking lot and they find nothing. And the time comes for Detective Dean to tow Rico's car to the sheriff's office and they have to, you know, process it for, you know, forensics and fingerprints and everything. And then And they really want to figure out how the tank got empty.
1: Can I say this is also very familiar to Bryce Las Pisa. I know. What was he doing? I know. Where is Bryce, that poor baby? So what they know is Rico had filled up his tank in Lodi. And he had 20 gallons of gas, which would have left him about 13 gallons by the time he got to the lower site. Then they think he ran out of gas, but continued to use his battery with his radio until the next morning.
0: Right. So I had to do a little bit of side research. Now, listen. You wh- love side research. <laughs> I know. It's. I don't, I'm proud of <laughs> you, my little
1: A plus student.
0: I mean, listen. Everyone has played Russian roulette with a quarter tank of gas. Oh and yes. You, you run out of gas yep. once, and you will never do it again. Nope. I used to do that all the time. My mom would be like, "Fill up your tank. Fill up your tank." Then you run out of gas. And when it hits a quarter tank, you'll never do that again. But here's the thing. I had to Google how much gas is used while a car is idling. And it's about half a gallon to 0.7 gallons while it's idling. So if he had that 13 gallons, that kind of does time out to him just running his car the whole time. Which is wild because why didn't he stop at a quarter tank, an eighth of a tank. I mean, you know, he you just saw it going. So it was like, how is he not seeing that he's in a dangerous situation?
1: Well, I think later on we will realize yeah. why. That no, maybe know. he yeah. wasn't in the right frame of mind. Also, congrats on your math. Yeah. you I think you're trying to make me look bad on this podcast.
0: It's not hard. Is I think it is. Uh,
1: <laughs> I don't like these numbers. <laughs> I don't like numbers either. I don't like your attitude with math. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So what's confusing is what brought Rico so far yeah. out of his way. Because the lower site is about 50 miles west of I-5, which is the road to Seattle. Yeah. It's a big detour to take in the middle of the night and way out of the way to just, like, check out the mountains.
0: Which is what he had said he wanted to do. He said he wanted to go look at the mountains and look at the stars. But Detective Dean was like, I mean, it's just kind of farmland. Like there, And it was dark. There's nowhere So to stop. if you're looking for some kind of a scenic situation... There's one that
1: Yeah. Honestly, I'm going to just want to give it to Detective Nyland. He really is going above and beyond. He's like, look, I I wanted to try to understand Rico's frame of mind. So he starts delving into Rico's past and feels that Rico might have, like, run into some problems.
0: Yeah, we learned that Rico was the oldest of four and Mama Margaret was a single mom. And, you know, they struggled financially. And, I mean, four kids on your own. I mean, how do you do it? That's not easy. Yeah. Not included in the episode, he was the son of Henry Harris and Margaret was about 17 when she had Rico and Henry was actually a semi-professional basketball player and he was very violent and abusive and oh. turned his anger to Margaret. Yeah, it was It was all in a bunch of articles that I found and Margaret, listen, she thought more of herself and she got out. So we love you, Mama yeah, Margaret. Yeah, good for you,
1: Mama Margaret. But because of that trying time, Rico and his mom had a very, very close relationship. Yes. Also, Mama Margaret says, look, Rico's dad was still a big influence on him because he passed down his love and passion for basketball to Rico. And Rico was very driven to, I think, best his father and to do even more than what his father had accomplished.
0: And his goal was that he wanted to take care of his mom one day. He had, he was very close and he always wanted to help her have the things that she was never afforded while she was being a full-time mom to four kids. And Mama Margaret had the best quote. She said, he stood out on the court and sat on the bench when it came to parenting. I was like, Mama Margaret, <laughs> make some merch. <laughs> I will buy a t-shirt.
1: Yes, baby. We call him a, a, a pop-in dad. No. A, a pop-tart a dad. A pop-tart dad. I was like. Because he, he popped in and out of their lives. Yeah. I was like, that's a sad situation, but yeah. that's a funny term. I know. Also, like, did I ever tell you that I'm really good at basketball? Mm-mm. That's because I'm not. Yeah. Okay. I'm terrible. <laughs> I look like an ostrich on drugs with a couple broken toes running up and down that court. It's not good.
0: Well, we- Kiki boots. Joey has these orangutan arms, and there's this part. I'll I'll make a video of it where they had to walk, and we used to call it a Kiki walk. Yeah, and those orangutan arms. It was like a wind tunnel on stage.
1: <laughs> Every director I have ever worked with has nicknamed me monkey arms.
0: Oh, my dad said I looked like a monkey
1: when I was a baby. Anyway, <laughs> turns out you just look like Prince. <laughs>
0: oh,
1: you trying to hurt my feelings? Prince was hot. Jokes on you. I have none. <laughs> I- <laughs> yeah, I'm Prince was hot Also that video That a listener made Oh Rico He is the best It's so good It's kind of uncanny it, okay, okay we can stop Alright
0: sorry
3: While Rico's Teenage friends Were hanging out He was in the gym Doing layups And sinking jump shots
5: Rico was adamantly Opposed to any Types of Recreational drugs And alcohol I was among the first of my friends to experiment with marijuana, and he would call me a crackhead and say, man, you're like, you know, you're throwing your life away. I'm going to the NBA. I can't, you know, mess with my lungs. I'm an athlete.
1: Now, Rico's buddy, David Lara, is here, and he's like, look, he didn't use drugs or drink. In fact... He was adamantly against them yeah. because he was incredibly focused and also incredibly talented basketball player. And he's like, look, I want to be a basketball star. I want to take care of my family. I am laser focused. Yeah, he treated his body like, you know, an athlete who was going places. So after high school, he spent a year at Arizona University. Then he transferred to L.A. City College and he led its team to their first state championship. And NBA recruiters were there and they got to watch him play. So now over the next two years, he entered the NBA draft twice, but sadly was never selected for a team.
0: Right. So at this time, even though in his younger years, he was so adamantly against drugs and drinking, he actually started turning to drugs and he was using speed. But follow this. He was sort of using the drugs to further his career. By that, he could go and Work out at the gym, you know, shoot hoops for 10 hours. More practice meant getting better. I'm going to use this drug to further my career, which is a, obviously such a detrimental mindset, but he actually was
1: using it sort of in like a weird positive way. I know. It's really sad. But also the problem is the sleep deprivation. Yeah, of course, and it's what not it, healthy. No, no, no. And what it does to your body and your moods and your your mental health, it's really, it's a it's a terrible insidious drug. So, friend David said, "You know, he thought he could handle this. He thought he could handle using, even when it was apparent that he couldn't, and ultimately it hurt him and his ability to perform at a high athletic level. But then he was hired by the Harlem
0: Globetrotters.
1: I love the Harlem Globetrotters. Okay,
0: I love the. My dad took us to see the Harlem Globetrotters when we were little. To this day." It remains one of the funniest
1: shows I've ever seen. Ellen, my dad took us whenever they came to New Orleans. We always went, and my dad... Okay, don't, okay, for, oh, don't make me cry.
0: Oh, my baby. But it's okay.
1: But we would, like, whistle the theme song together. Oh, so I love like, you so... You, oh. <laughs> it's too high. You can't whistle, like, but I love you, you so much. Can you play the Harlem Globetrotters theme for me? Oh, that is so
0: It's, it's so good. Wait for... Oh, the Harlem Globetrotters is an exhibition basketball team and it's a show. They always play yeah. the same team and it, you know there's gymnastics and there's comedy and there's basketball and the other team kind of like intentionally plays bad yeah. you know to set the Harlem Globetrotters yeah. up but it's incredible and it's hilarious. Do you know when it was started in 1926? What? Yeah, I had no
1: idea and it Neither wasn't did I. and it
0: wasn't started in Harlem it was started in Chicago. Don't worry, I looked it up. <laughs>
1: So after two months of playing with them... The Harlem Globetrotters! An injury sidelined Rico, and at the age of 23, his basketball career came to an end. And that just breaks my heart for that poor baby.
0: And that's where everything really, really started to kind of turn. And as
5: soon as that went away, he wasn't quite sure who he was or what to do. And he filled that void with drugs and alcohol. He spiraled out of control. Rico was like a prototype of someone who has gone way off the rails
0: i'm gonna get choked up when you have such an ambition to do that one thing right i mean it's the same for us right that's all if anyone from ages like five to like yesterday asked me what I wanted to do it was always I wanted to be on Broadway and when you are that focused and that ambitious to one thing the idea of that being taken away from you I, that sounds suffocating to me you know yeah. that just sounds like that's all he ever wanted yeah
1: it's heartbreaking and you know what we've seen in our business we've seen yeah? what what those injuries can do one of my best friends Danielle was probably one of the best tap dancers I've ever seen in my life and she was about to be on Broadway she had been doing 47 Second Street in Germany, she had an injury and that her knee swole and they drained it, which was what you're not oh. supposed to do. And it destroyed her knee and she could never dance <sighs> again. I
0: mean, that it, it's definitely, I don't, how do you even go on? How do you go on when there's one thing you want and can do in your life
1: yeah. and you can't do it anymore? You have to redirect your dreams.
0: But unfortunately, Rico continued to spiral, you know, using drugs and alcohol a couple years later, he was arrested for public intoxication. And sadly, in jail, he ran into someone that he knew.
1: It's so sad. He did run into his father who was behind bars, and his father didn't recognize him. Why do you think that was? I-
0: hadn't seen him since he was 10 and a little boy at 10 is so different from when he's, you know, 23, maybe when he was 10, he was five foot big and now there's this six foot nine giant, you know, I mean, or he could have, you know, had his own
1: issues. I don't know, but that was really sad. Really sad. And it had a huge impact on him for a myriad of reasons. But one of them was like, this is not how I wanted to be reunited with my dad. So after that, he decided to focus his energy on work and creating a better life for himself and his mother. So he went to rehab, and he rebuilt his life. Even though
0: he knew that, like his NBA dreams were over, he still was that same motivated person that yes. he was before. Again, to your point, he just had to redirect that motivation.
1: Yeah, and we don't want to see anybody hit rock bottom. Yeah, we we don't we don't want that for them. But sometimes that's what it takes to shift the mindset. Yeah. So Jennifer is an insurance broker. She met him at a nightclub in Marina del Rey while he was managing security. Now, remember, Jennifer lived in Seattle and Rico was in L.A., but they were like, let's make this work. And they had a long distance relationship. They chatted on the phone and they texted all the time. love it. I don't need to see your man toes around me.
3: (laughs) In September 2014, they were making marriage plans and Rico moved into Jennifer's Seattle townhouse. The last conversation that I had with Rico was a conversation where
5: he said he was going to explore this new love, what that means, you know, family, marriage, all those things.
0: Now, Rico was moving into Jennifer's house
1: and I can this, he felt a little bit of out of sorts
0: because he was moving into her
1: space. Yeah, I, I've been with someone where I moved into, uh, I had an ex that I moved into their apartment. Yeah. And it was also a studio. <laughs> 26 and stupid. Joey, if I could go back to 26-year-old Joey, I would say don't do it. Don't do it. I thought you were saying you lived on the corner of 26th and stupid. No. <laughs> that too. No, but I mean like, you know, feeling like someone, you're in someone else's space and honestly my ex made me feel like I was in in his space like this is my space it's the worst so I understand where Rico was but Rico also hadn't found a job yet and so I think he got in his head and he was used to providing and taking care of people and he couldn't do that this time something I've learned in my life especially after my dad passed is it's okay to let people take care of you sometimes. In fact, it's important you let people do that for you sometimes, especially when you can't. You take care of me all the time. You take care of me all the time. I love you. But
0: back to the search for Rico. So they'd sort of done everything, right? They contacted the media. They did this thing which was sort of like an Amber Alert. Like they sent out text messages, you know, to everyone in the area. And they did get lots and lots of calls and lots of leads. But three were really vital. Three people people had definitely positively identified him. Now, this is what's great about him being 6'9". Absolutely. You can't miss him. You cannot. If you see a 6'9 man, that person is going to take your attention for a second and you're going to note it. So all three of these sightings were sort of in the same area. One person saw a man matching Rico's description that was like sitting on the guardrail of that highway on Highway 16. Another person saw him walking southbound on that same highway. And then another couple had seen a man matching Rico's description, walking around a black car, his car was black, yeah. aimlessly and confused.
1: Yes. Yeah, so now these sightings verify that Rico was in the area on Sunday, yeah. the same day his backpack was found next to that guardrail three miles from the lower site. But after that, Detective Nyland hits a wall. Yeah. And
0: now we hear from Jennifer, and Jennifer says how he had been sober for six years. Good for you. But Jennifer did say the last time she was down in L.A., he did seem a little off. Like, his house was messy, and it was normally super tidy. And finally, she pushed and pushed and pushed, and he confessed that, sadly, around July or August, he had
1: relapsed. Yes. And... He'd never used in front of Jennifer, and she felt that maybe it wasn't like, I don't know how to word this, like a full-blown relapse. Like, I mean. He had maybe done it a few
2: but
0: times. technically, right. I mean, I think if you, you know, if you're really, you know, I think one time as a relapse. Yes. Yeah.
1: So Rico also confided in his friend David, Laura, and told him that he had begun drinking again and was struggling. And he recognized that it could be a problem, and he wanted to take steps to fix it before it became a bigger problem. This is where this
0: all kind of starts to make sense.
3: Jennifer informs Detective Nyland that on Wednesday, October 8th, the afternoon Rico left Seattle for Alhambra, there had been tension between them.
2: I told him that I'm going to the gym. He's like, I really want to go look at a lake around here. I want to venture what Seattle has by myself. Because up until that point, we would do things together all the time. So he's like, no, this is my city now. Rico had been acting very strange.
0: He said when he got to Seattle one day that he wanted to like explore Seattle by himself because they had always sort of done things as a couple and he wanted to discover, you know, his new home on his own. And Jennifer was like, "Okay," and she goes to the gym. Yeah, I'm going to go to the gym. So she goes to the gym and she gets home at about eight o'clock that night and she's like, oh, he's still out, you know, exploring Pike Market, I guess, you know, catching the fish or whatever. And
1: Not catching the fish. <laughs> Catch this. And, oh, oh! <laughs> I gave her the middle finger. Sorry. The audacity. <laughs>
0: oh, my stars. I have no time for big egos and small minds today, my friend. <laughs> so he wasn't out exploring. That was the night he turned around
1: and he headed back to L.A. Yeah. So she texted him a bunch and she was like, and when he finally responded, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in Oregon. I'll call you around midnight. So. Yeah, he had decided to go back to L.A. And around 18 hours later, he arrived back home in Alhambra at 2 p.m. on Thursday, October 9th. Right. So
0: keep this timeline Thursday, October
1: 9th. So by
0: this time, after his day and driving 18 hours, he hadn't slept for 30 hours. Now, remember, he had already moved his stuff to Seattle, but Mama Margaret
1: was like, wait, why are you back in L.A.? You only have a couple things here. Why are you back? It was odd. Yeah. And I just want to say in Jennifer's defense, I'm very laid back in a relationship. You <laughs> yeah. could do a lot of things. You may not leave the state yeah. without informing me first. Let's just, let's make some clear ground rules. And this goes for you, too. If I call you and you're like, oh, I'm in uh, Wyoming, I'm going to be like, "The c- <laughs> <laughs> come on my what? <laughs> you in a what? We didn't
0: discuss this. Everyone is confused. So that night, Rocco takes his brother Tito out for dinner, and then they hung out after work. And then before anybody knows anything... He turns around and drives back to Seattle, and we're back at the day that Mama Margaret had no idea he was going to leave, and Mama Margaret was like, well, I thought he was going to lay down and sleep and then leave in the morning. Yes. So by this time, he had turned around, packed his stuff, had dinner with Brother Tito. He's back on the road. Now, this puts Rico awake for 40
1: 40 hours.
0: hours. And it is safe to speculate that some kind of drugs had to be keeping him awake that long.
1: I mean, my heart breaks for him. The thing is, is that addiction is a disease. And, you know, that disease sometimes can lead you down a very dark path. And my, my heart breaks for him because, you know, obviously he needed help. And he just found himself in a place where he wasn't accessible. And so we, we just, we don't know. We, we, we don't know. We can only speculate. Right.
0: So it's October 19th. That's about a week later. And someone said that he was driving along the highway at 530 in the morning and he looked over to the side and he saw a large man walking sort of in the dirt part of the road So, remember that day they found the footprints? Well, they found more footprints. New footprints. Yeah. And the deputy that went to investigate wore a size 16 shoe, and the footprints were bigger. Yeah. And remember, he wore a size 18. So... They're thinking that might have been him. Yeah. Then
1: they're like, what? Yeah. So now not only is the question, why did Rico leave the lower site for a whole week yeah. and return? But how? Because the nearest gas station is 30 miles away. Not
0: a gas station, not a Panera Bread in sight. Nothing <laughs> was around here. Not even so a crack-a-barrel. Someone had to have picked him up and dropped him off.
3: One month into the investigation, the detective sends cadaver dogs into the wilderness around the lower site. If Rico had stayed in the area and met misfortune, they would find his remains. One of the dogs
4: at some point seemed to favor a deeper pool down the river. Swimming and rescue team showed up with divers and they searched the entire area that we couldn't see from the shore. And they also came up empty.
0: Cadaver dogs pointed to a sort of deep part of the water. They sent out divers and that search yielded nothing. And Detective Dean sort of, you know, does not know where to go. And then poor Jennifer is in Seattle, 700 miles away, feeling helpless as can be. So she's like, I mean, I started a Facebook page and I contacted the media and she was trying to go through all these avenues to get his picture and his information out there. And months pass and nothing comes of it.
1: Yeah, they even go to the mainstream media and there's, there's, thinking that, okay, if we get this story out, something will help. They, they interview Mama Margaret because she's way down in L.A., yeah. also far away from the investigation trying to do what she can, and sadly, there's just no signs of Rico.
0: And that's sort of where it ends. You know, Mama Margaret and Jennifer are obviously telling us, you know, how sad they are, and they've turned to each other, and they love each other, but this is an unsolved case, unfortunately. Yeah. So, let me just give you guys a little bit more research that I found while diving into this case. You know, we always want to dive a little deeper into the story, but I also deeply respect that there are people's families who don't want to put negative things out in the universe to disparage their loved ones in any way. And I get that, Yeah, but I genuinely think it does a disservice to the story. So for example, the injury that was sustained, I thought it was a basketball injury. They made it sound that way. It wasn't. It was a fight that resolved in him getting hit in the head and charges were pressed. And I also found it curious that he left Arizona. State to go to City College but I found an article in the LA Times that told me that he actually never played for Arizona State he just went there and he was arrested along with two other men on suspicion of unlawful imprisonment and though the men were never charged with the on campus incident he was done at Arizona State and that's why he went to LA City College. Now the great thing was he thrived there and he led the team to the state championship but actually after that initial season he suffered several game suspensions for breaking rules. And then between the years of 2001 and 2007 he faced 16 cases in LA County Superior Court on a a slew of charges and a lot of them were drug and intoxication related and he sort of bounced in and out of jail. Beyond that he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and he stopped taking his medication because he didn't like the way it made him feel which I deeply empathize with. And though every article I read, I am telling you I read articles from his Harlem Globe Trotter's teammates, from the people he worked at with security. Everyone says he was mild-mannered and kind and had a smile that could make your day, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't deeply struggling. He was hurting and I do think that glossing over those bits of information does a disservice to the story because understanding why people do things is what we can learn from true crime. Right. So understanding that it wasn't just a fluke that happened or you know, someone came upon him or there was some kind of foul play, understanding he his life helps us understand how people function and how crime works. I mean, you can't change the way your brain works. You know, you can you can train yourself to get off the hamster wheel when it comes to, you know, depression and your own, you know, inner workings. But, you know, you have to cut an emotional attachment that we have with the past. And that's what kept coming up in his life. Because another person that wasn't in the episode was Rico's stepdad, Charles Taylor. And in an article I found... Charles explains that before Rico left for Seattle, he said, why are you moving to Seattle? And Rico said, this is a quote, well, I'm ashamed of the things that happened down here. And I want to start another life. And I get that because letting go of the past, you know, you can't forget what happened in your life. You can't let go of it completely. But we have to forgive ourselves and give ourselves permission to move on. And I feel like he was really tortured by that. Yeah. Uh, So. If you are struggling, letting go of a painful experience, you may benefit from talking to a professional. You know, sometimes it is difficult to implement change on your own and you do need someone else. So if you do need help, especially during this time where everyone is struggling so much, please reach out to the National Hopeline Network at 1-800-442-4673 and... I hope for some kind of closure for that family. I do, too. Say something funny. Should we take an
1: edible and go see the Harlem Globetrotters? Yes. Yes. <gasps> bow, 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 bow.
0: Oh, my stars. Where is Rico? This poor, baby. Oh, my gosh. All right, well, I'm I didn't tell y'all to pull over, but I gave y'all a little monologue But there. you know what? You said good things. Important things. Important. We just, we love you so much. And, you know, listen, we're all out here just doing our best every day. We are. We're doing our best. And don't isolate yourself. Yeah. Hey! if you want listen if you need friends I am telling you the Facebook group is full of some of the most big hearted down bitches I have
1: ever seen people are making friends all over this country am I right it's so fun I have to tell you that's where I'm the most active so please come play with me in the Facebook group it's called the obsessed with disappeared podcast discussion group round of applause on that Taking it right <laughs> yeah
0: You can also find us on Instagram at The Disappeared Pod. And the same with Twitter. We are on TikTok at Obsessed with Disappeared, And we are there all the time. Don't forget to join us on the Patreon. We have about 100 bonus episodes for you to download and binge right now. We got Hoop the Bleep Did I Marry, See No Evil, Snap, Evil Lives Here. We cannot wait to take on pink collar (laughs) cries. Just go to our website and click the Patreon link. It will take you right there. We love you so much. Thank you for hanging out with us. We love you. I love you, Joey.
1: I love you. And I love you, listeners. I'm having a fucking blast. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. So, like we said, we're in Alhambra, which is a. <laughs> like we said, we're in Alhambra, California. Yeah, I mean, repeat it
0: all. Just repeat I, it all
1: for them because they're cleaning their kitchens. They're not paying attention honey, to I'm us. I'm trying to find my way back from the side room. I we know. Just okay, talked, you're okay? right. I'm wrong. Keep going. Okay.
0: Season seven. Seven. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> we're off to a great start. <laughs>